everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Fish Fights, the Miami Herald, Miami Marlins podcast. I'm Jordan McPherson, live from about a couple blocks from Times Square. He's Andre Fernandez, live from Tallahassee. I can see the smirk on your face already. Dre, how are you? Uh, uh, he said, anytime you say New York, man, it's just like, oh, like, all right, can we trade? Can we switch? I miss Manhattan. Pretty good place, yeah. though. Yeah. No doubt. And you're you're in a, in a good spot, too, just a few blocks away from there. I mean, I'm sure you're going to take in the sights a little bit. But six days to go in this in this uh, 2021 really rough season. But we're we're, we're looking forward. Yeah. Six games, six days, seven games, a lovely doubleheader against two teams already eliminated from playoff contention. But. Yeah, we've got about a week left, but before we move forward, I want to just quickly recap the series that they just finished up. They got swept by the Rays, who just clinched the AL East for the second straight year, or in the playoffs for the third straight year. And the Marlins, just based off of how they're constructed and the payroll situation and everything else, they have the Marlins have said on multiple occasions, both opening day and before this series even began, about the Rays being for, for a quote-unquote smaller market team are basically, from the win-loss perspective, a team to aspire to be in terms of watching how a team that's been a bottom-five payroll team for the last three years to make the playoffs every single year, not just make the playoffs, they're, they won the AL East, which when you look at the standings and look at everything, that's hands down been the, been the best division in baseball this year. So for them to do that on the salary they have, how they – find things between their progress from the minor leagues, what they do with their prospects, how they find ways to maximize every player from a Brandon Lau to a Brett Phillips has 13 home home runs this year. It's just, you look at everything the Rays do and the Marlins, obviously not at that stage, but looking at a team that just whooped them for three games and going, that's what we aspire to be. And it gives them the perspective of, how much they still have to go in order to even try to get to somewhere at that level. Not saying they're going to get there right away, but that's obviously what they're striving as an end goal of sorts. Well, I mean, that's if they even ever get there because, because I mean, not just the Marlins, but the Rays are the blueprint for, and they have been for some time. This is not, we're not, you're not saying anything that's new right now of how good, how well constructed and well managed, well organized, I should say, that franchise has been for some years. And it's the reason that they've been in contention, you know, for the most part for over a decade now. I mean, there's, they're, you know, it's not just slugging, you know, trading punches with the heavyweights, they're knocking the heavyweights down on a consistent basis for some time now. And it showed last year when they won the pennant, went toe to toe with the Dodgers. And look like they're going to be in a position again this year to, to, to do something similar, whether it's against L.A. or whoever comes out of the National League, uh, you know, this year. And really, it's the farm system that just year in and year out, they have gotten it right. They've done it. They not only find prospects, but even at the top of the organization, too, like they know how to identify not just guys' strengths and how pieces fit together on the major league club, but also the timing factor of which pro they, they identify ceilings of guys very well and how much they think they can be. And they hang on to those, but they also identify when 
maybe a certain prospect or a certain player, it's the right time to part with them and see what they can do to benefit their franchise in the long term. Like always like the, 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 I guess the, 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 the thing that's said around baseball is like when the Rays call worry, because they know something you don't maybe more often than not about a certain prospect, a certain player. And it, it's true because they, they just continue to find the guys, you know, Rosa Reina and, 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 and others that really they're not majorly hyped players when they're coming up, but they come in and they produce and, and just fit perfectly into this, you know, just this machine that they have that just keeps, keeps on going and keeps on ticking. You know, even, even Joe Madden as a manager, everybody thought everybody gave him a lot of credit and credit due. He's one of the best managers in baseball, but look how well it's continued to, to operate over there even after he's been gone under Kevin Cash. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a heck of a organization and yeah, the Marlins could strive all they want and there's not a knock necessarily on them, but I'd say the Marlins have, there's a few other examples and we'll get into that. There's a few other examples in baseball that I would say, let's get to kind of like where those guys are and then build from there. Like you look at Toronto, yeah. it's another team that has made tremendous strides and why, and, and, and I'm, I'd left out a point that I wanted to get to. I mean, you're looking at the prospects. I was looking at the prospects in the Rays organization. Look at the balance. Look at the top 10 guys. There's four pitchers in their top 10 right now. If you look at pipeline, there's six batters. If you go in a little further, there's more batters. And that's where the Marlins haven't been able to do it. Good pitching? Absolutely. But I keep saying, where are those bats? Where are those guys? Not necessarily maybe all power hitters, but just where are those guys that look like they have the ceiling to be consistent major league hitters guess what the rays have a bunch of those guys coming up guys that can play each respective position well and that's why they are where they are yeah and to go with the toronto gym that's the one that we were really talking about before we started recording you look at just all the young guys they have obviously Vladdy jr is the main one but they have the boat they have bobachette they have lord Durrell, randall randall grichick you see all the hitters that yeah, the Toronto, the Toronto legacies. Yeah. You see yeah. all the hitters coming up from their system and the Marlins, we've seen the pitching, which obviously has been what they've been building around the start, but you need the bats as well. It doesn't yeah. matter how great you're pitching. If you're going to lose two, nothing or three to one every game, if yeah. you don't have the bats to back up what you're getting on the mound, it almost makes it a moot point. And oh, yeah. that's why you're starting to see some, some signs of life from like a Brian Dale Cruz, a Jesus Sanchez, Leywin Diaz showing some pop, but you need, they need to see what those guys will be over a longer sample size. And that's going to be that critical next step between those prospects coming up and finding a veteran or two to round out that group for them to be able to feasibly have a chance to take that next step. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, you look at some of the guys, People are going to point to, you know, I mean, we've seen J.J. Blade was supposed to be, is supposed to be one of their, you know, the top bats in the system. And he was at that point until this year, he's had his issues, right? Well, you look at that draft and you look at two teams right now, one that hit a snag this year for not for reasons of related to team building and prospects, the San Diego Padres, a C.J. Abrams guy who's has been phenomenal in the minors so far. He's a double A right now. He's probably going to come up next year and make his debut. 
And you look at another team that is a little bit under the radar when it comes to building and getting better, the Detroit Tigers, who were a complete train wreck a couple of years ago, even last year. They're going to finish with a modest close to 500 record because you're starting to see some of those results off what they what they're building over there. And they still have others coming up. Riley Green is another one, another good outfielder that has a chance to be, a, you know, a solid major leaguer. You know, he's probably also maybe next season, the guy that could probably, you probably see make his debut. So, it, you know, just the, the point of when are some of those guys going to pan out? We, I mean, not that they've totally missed. They've had a couple of hits. I mean, Jazz Chisholm could be. You know, and that wasn't a guy that they developed completely through their farm system. Obviously, he came in via trade. But are some of these guys that they did draft, that they are homegrown, are we going to see them take a step and be some of those key contributors? There's still a lot of questions with with, with some of them. Lewin Diaz and others, again, these are pieces that, to their credit, yes, they went out and made smart trades to bring some of these guys in. But when are we going to see that from – some of the, the guys that were that were pegged through their own scouting. And, of course, and as you mentioned, those two guys, Abrams and Green, picked five and six after the Marlins picked the day. So they had the option to yeah. get these guys, and yeah. we're seeing where things I mean, are. Yeah, it's always, it's always easy to, 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 yeah. to yeah. nitpick I'm, a draft. It's always 2020. Yeah. Correct. It is. But, I mean, it's just regrettable that you're seeing some of those things happen, and then you're waiting for – you know, quote unquote, your own guy to finally take that step. And, it, you know, maybe he'll figure it out in the next year or so, but it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, I mean, when you look through the Marlins top prospects when it comes to the hitters, uh, scrolling through the list, scrolling through the list, you have to go on the Peyton Burdick, who, again, we've talked about his year. He's their number 14 overall prospect. He's position player prospect one, two, three, four, Five. He's their sixth-ranked hitting prospect, and he's the only one out of their top 15 overall prospects who's up at the AAA level. And he just he got promoted. He was part of that draft class with Bleday, third-round pick, third pick out of Wright State. Spent all year with double in AA with Bleday, and the Marlins moved him up and Max Meyer up to AAA for the final two weeks. That since AAA is the only stateside affiliate still going. But as of right now, Burdick is going to be looking like that first homegrown guy who's – Looks like he'll be the first homegrown guy to get a chance in the big leagues as early as next year. So, I mean, it's looked like you would think that he and Meyer are both going to start in AAA next year if they're already going to be up there for the final two weeks. And when the third round pick is out, out producing the first round pick from that class. Yeah. Well, and, and what is it? And look, Khalil Watson may end up being phenomenal. Yeah. We don't know that yet. He's still very young. He's 18 years old, but he very well could be. But look how he shot right up to the top of the chart. Yeah. Right off the bat, I mean, he's number one. And then if you look at them, pitcher, pitcher, pitcher. Blade, who has a lot of questions right now. Pitcher, pitcher, here we go. Catcher that they just brought in, who is also 18 years old and still a long ways to go. I have to get down to Jose Salas, who I've liked a lot from the get-go. I think the we've kid's going to be very good. We've been good. on that same boat ever since he got here. Yeah. Again, 18 years old. All these guys are still... They still got a ways to go. Yuri Perez, another, Yuri Perez is a pitcher, but my point is all this recent wave of guys have suddenly fallen off, you know, and Blade is still up there just because of the tools he's got. And you hope that it, that it clicks, but let's even move past him. That's one. 
like you said, you got to go down to Burdick, who, again, a third-round pick, who looks like he can present value. And you always like when you can find those gems a little bit later. They don't have to always be the marquee first-rounder. That's fine. But that's good when you're also getting that part of it, too. That's like a, oh, and also, hey, guess what? This guy is going to be one we didn't expect to be this good. But you have to have that little bit of both, and that's where a franchise like the Rays, they're hitting more than they're missing, you know, no pun intended, when it comes to eyeing the talent, when it comes to developing the talent, and they are the blueprint. But, again, it's not just them. It's the Blue Jays. It's, you know, now to an extent the Tigers, again, I go back to the Tigers, a team that was in shambles, a team that – the, the, the chatter behind the scenes was always like, this isn't even a team that had really embraced analytics and, and that type of approach as much as maybe they should. The way other teams have, it seems like that's starting to turn a little bit and you're starting to see the results. So it's like, you want what, when are we going to see that on that side of it? Again, pitcher heavy, all those, all those, when I said pitcher, 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 I like pretty much everybody that's in that top 10 as being a key contributor going forward. When does it happen on the diamond? Yeah. Yeah. The only homegrown position players who are in double, who are in the upper minors are, as you mentioned, Peyton Burdick, their number 14 overall prospect for MLB pipeline. Cam Meisner, their number 22 overall prospect. I moved up to double A the final month. And Gerard Encarnacion, their number 27 overall prospect. Everyone else is either a person who was just drafted, a player who was traded in, or some other quantity of that that are still in either low A or high A. Yeah. Yeah. Capé, 19 years old. Another one that just got here Mm -hmm. pretty much. These guys may all be good. I mean, maybe we're not, maybe this narrative changes down the road, but I feel it's almost like they've recycled. And where did that first wave go for the most part? Yeah. Yeah. And on that note, going to just let, uh, got to talk with both uh, manager Don Mangley and general manager Kim Mang just about their perspective on this philosophy, which is the route that the Marlins have been going since the rebuild. Just going to let them share their thoughts on how how things are going. And again, just from the fact that it was pegged from going up against the Rays. So they do have that narrative in there as well. So we'll just let them share their thoughts on it. First up will be manager Don Mattingly. No, they are a challenge, and it's actually exciting getting to play them because of, you know, how good they are. Uh, I think Cash does a great job in their organization of, you know, building that roster to a point where, you know, you're going to, it's hard to get a matchup like out of your bullpen. You know, they've, they've got a number of switch hitters, guys that are, uh, flexible right, left. Uh, they've got speed. Uh, on the bases, I got a number of guys that run, uh, not necessarily a 30 or 40 stolen base guy, but a bunch of guys in that, that you feel like can get a bag on you. Like there's some guys at 17, 18, 15, 14, 13, like that kind of stuff where you got a bunch of guys that will run that make you pay attention. They hit the ball to the ballpark. They don't, they walk. Uh, and, and then they match you out of the bullpen the same way. And, you know, so they have the righty-lefty combos. Um, they don't give you great matchups there either. So they're just a good club and and well, well-formed. Um, and they've been showing it over the, the past few years of, 
you know, the depth in our organization. They've had a number of arm guys go out and they just fill in the next spot. Um, they make, they make good trades. I mean, so they're, they're fun to play against and they're a challenge. Cash is, cash is good. He'll do anything. He's kind of a gambler. So, uh, you know, they're just, they're, they're fun to play against. They've earned it obviously in a tough division there with Boston and New York chasing them and Toronto. Uh, it looks like all those, those teams are right there in that wild card and also. So congrats to them. Um, yeah, it's, it's never much fun watching anybody clinch when you're not going to get a chance to go to the postseason. Um, but, you know, I guess it's something that our guys really should see because it, it is a special time. And I mean, no matter how you do it or how you get there, uh, you work, you know, guys work all winter, organizations work all winter putting things together. Um, your staff works to, you know, get guys better. It's a long season and to accomplish that is obviously a great feeling. And so congrats to them and, and for us it's something that, you know, we gotta, we gotta work towards it. to be more consistent. They're getting pretty consistent at it. Uh, obviously this year has been a, a disappointment for us from the standpoint of we're able to kind of break through in the short season last year. And I know we had a lot higher expectations than where we're at. So, um, yeah, I don't know what the feeling is, but obviously not. It's been a while for our club that, you know, you know you're not going to be in postseason. And then here is general manager Kim Eng. Look, I think they are a shining example of, you know, a smaller market club, um, you know, getting the very best out of every single one of the 26 players that they put out on the field for the 28. Um, I think that, you know, one of the most compelling things when I watch this club is that they are um, pedal to the metal. They are sadly, sadly aggressive. I'm sure that's a word, but I'm going to go with it. Um, And, you know, and they just play a really great brand of baseball. So I think in a lot of ways for, for other clubs, you know, they're aspirational. So it's, um, it's, and it's, they're not a flash in the pan. They do it year in and year out. And I think that's the, you know, what everybody's trying to get. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, it's the final week. Going to preview what we have left, what little we have left to discuss and pay attention to. And, what to look forward to over these final seven games. So we will be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price Priceline. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back, everyone. And as we said right before we went to break, it's the final week. Seven more games. See the finish line. Jordan, you're running to the finish line. (laughs) Go, break the tape. Oh, 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 crap, I tripped. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, so we have seven games left here. Four against the Mets, starting with a doubleheader on Tuesday, and then two games, a game each on Wednesday and Thursday. And then three at home at Lone Depot Park, October 1st through 3rd against the Phillies. How many doubleheaders have they played against the Mets this year? I feel like every every freaking series they're well, playing a doubleheader. Yeah, they the play Mets. a doubleheader, and then the next day a game gets rained out. Yeah, it just yeah. Uh, nature just hates yeah. this series this year. Yeah, and there's also, I believe it's supposed to be like a 50 or 60% chance of rain on Tuesday when there's supposed to be a doubleheader. So, Shh. honestly, <laughs> but the thing is, almost every trip I take up here, there is some sort of weather issue. That's true. For, it's always ra- it's always raining in New York. Yeah, the first the first series this year, we had the suspended game after nine pitches. The second, the second time here, we had the Wednesday, the middle day of the series got postponed due to rain, which brought this doubleheader. Yeah. Honestly, if something does happen, I'll apologize. I will take the blame. Y'all can just y'all can just blame me for no, it. I will gladly no. take yeah, the credit for that. Or yeah, they yeah. can just say, you know what, both teams are out of the playoffs. We'll have to play these games, which I would yeah. also be okay There's with. There's that. that. Yeah. Retractable roof on Yankee Stadium should have happened. Mm-hmm. Forget tradition. I mean, I, I love tradition, but no, not, not let, let, let's get some games in. Do it. At, it should have done it at City Field, too. Yeah. Yeah, the one area that will be interesting is that final series when it comes to the Phillies, just from the fact that the Marlins can still play spoiler. The Phillies enter this week two and a half back of the Braves for first place in the NL East, and that's probably going to be the Phillies' only route to the playoffs, considering that completely incredible run that the St. Louis, Louis Cardinals doesn't have lose had. anymore. Yeah. yeah, basically the Cardinals don't lose anymore. Yeah. Which yeah. a certain someone on your side is very happy about that, yeah, right? Andre? This is this isn't a this isn't a video show, but I'm turning my head right now to look at my wife, the Cardinals uh, sympathizer, aficionado, loving life right now with this historic winning streak. Let's 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 just hope for their sake that uh, it's not 16 in a row for nothing, because uh, there's a date with the, the the Dodgers, most likely the Dodgers. If not the Giants in a do or die wild card game, that's going to be fun. And then if they do end up winning that, they face the other team in the regular series, regardless. Oh, it's so, a gauntlet, but, it's I, a but gauntlet. one step at a time. One step yeah, at a time. I'm, I'm looking at the one, and and if there is one, uh, if, if there's a way to face the Dodgers, I'd rather take my chances on the one night. Oh, see no what doubt. happens. No so. doubt. I'd rather again one game versus having to go through that entire rotation. Yeah, absolutely. That's, yeah, but so, back to the Marlins back again. Back on point, yeah. Back on point again. <laughs> the Marlins, what they do up here, again, against the Mets and Phillies, big picture, it's just, as we've been saying for, I think we're going on two months now, seven, eight episodes, see what you have out of Brian De La Cruz, see what you have out of Leywin Diaz, see what you have out of Jesus Sanchez. Does Trevor Rogers finish strong in his final two starts? Does Edward Cabrera finish strong? I believe he'll have... 
he definitely has a start. He starts on uh, Thursday, so I believe his. So that's going to be his last start of the year. Can he show something on a high note after having troubles, especially in the first? In he always has that one. He's had that one inning, and in most of his starts outside of his debut where things have gone awry. Can he put something together that final start out there? Right. Um, and also, is Pablo Lopez going to? going to come out and throw a couple innings. They He threw bullpen on Sunday. He threw two innings in Jacksonville before rejoining the team. He looked good. The Marlins are basically pegging it that they're going to likely give him sort of two innings and have him piggyback with someone just to have him get that one final start, that one that one outing just so mentally Lopez can go into the offseason going, mentally I feel okay. I'm not yeah. going to be worrying about the shoulder going into the offseason feeling like I have to rehab, which for Pablo, as we all know, he's a very cerebral guy. Mm. So if he can leave the season mentally on a strong note, that's probably the best case scenario for him. Yeah. I mean, it it doesn't sound like much, but it can be, yeah, it can have a difference. It can have an impact. And for his sake, I think confidence wise and all the stuff we talked about, even if it's like you said, even if it's like a handful of innings or less, just get out on the mound. If he has a few effective innings, you know, throw some, his arm feels good, all that sort of thing. He can carry that into the off season, into the work he puts in and hopefully it'll translate for him and hope he does. I really do because it's been tough on him, you know, these last few years to finish like that, you know, frustrating when, when you can't, when it just, your body's not cooperating and, and, and not letting him get out there and finish strong like he can. So it would be good to see. It would be good to see for him because he's still one of those guys that can stay a part of this rotation despite all the, you know, despite some of the turnover, despite some of these quality arms that are on the way up. But Pablo's proven his value. And, and I think he can, if he can build off of that, that'd be something good for him. Yeah. And one more, one note before we leave, just going back to the minor leagues, uh, Max Meyer is triple A debut, 10 strikeouts in five innings of one run ball. He gave up two hits, a solo home run in the fifth inning. He had a no hitter through, I think into the fourth inning, just a solid, solid first go in triple a. He's going to get one more start this week up there. And then the plan is for him to start the 2022 season in triple a. So it's looking like the Marlins first round pick from the 2020 drafts going to be knocking on the door going, heading into next season. He's going to open the door next year all things equal barring anything all goes on schedule you'll see him pitching at marlins park next year i have no doubt Lone depot that, park gotta just correct sorry it. Lone depot park sorry lowercase l sorry about that um yeah you trying to do a family i think little p big l place yeah pretty much okay i assumed <laughs> as much yeah 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 so yeah, he corporate family guy, just <laughs> or just inside jokes throughout this entire thing because that's basically all we did in 2019. In the well, that's how you keep your sanity when you're when that's how you keep your sanity sometimes through through watching this team. Sometimes I know that. So, yeah, and again, but I, I but we digress yeah. once again. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, in all honesty, yeah, I mean, Max should be there. This is why behind just Cabrera, he's the top pitching prospect in the system now, and you know. One of the biggest questions going in the next season, and we'll we'll talk about that next week. Next week will be our season wrap-up edition and all of that is Sixto. What happens yeah. with Sixto? You know, I mean, if he's physically able, we know what he can do, but 
tough setback overall this year, losing the entire season. So, but, but yeah, going back to Max, I think that's definitely, he'll be next year's big pitching debut and, 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 and maybe not the only one. Yeah. And then when you have that, you have Max, you have Max going along with Trevor, going along with Edward, going along potentially Sixto, obviously Sandy Alcantara as the ace. Mm-hmm. You can see what they end up doing with, with Pablo and Eliezer and then the other guys waiting in the wings. This is yeah. the dream rotation in some form or fashion or, and the, and the plus this yeah. guy and this guy that you, that they've been building for. And again, going back to the beginning of what we were talking about, yeah. that part of it, I'm clapping, you know, good job. Yeah. The other side of it yeah. though, it's half, you don't want it yeah, to be half a franchise, mm-hmm. you know, and that's unfortunately not entirely. We're not saying that's entirely the case, but it's a drastic, it's a noticeable void there that has to be filled to balance this team out. And if not, they're never going to get to where they want to get to, really. They're going to be in this, you know, this this kind of like this in-between that they're that they're caught in or worse. And and they really could have been kind of like in the middle somewhere this year had all the injuries not happened. But that's the thing. You're prone to when you're half a team like this, any a few bad things happen and you sink quickly the way they did. Yeah, and it's unfortunate considering the NL East winners probably only going to – Braves or Phillies could easily clinch the division with maybe 85, 86 wins. Yeah, I doubt Atlanta's this this uh, this down again anytime soon. I mean, if, if what they have really manifests the way it should. I, I mean, this was, this was like a good window to – to topple the Braves or at least be in the fight. And it's and going again, to be a lot harder. Bra- next year. Braves had half a season without Acuna. They're more yeah. than likely not going oh, to yeah. He'll not be back have that next year. thing again. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And they're built to last. I said that during the playoffs last year. They're they're built to last. You know, so th- this was a hiccup for them. And then you know they'll they'll come back next year and hiccup. And I say hiccup with them still <laughs> very likely having a very solid chance of getting as far as the NLCS minimum. <laughs> it's that nice hiccup to have. No doubt about it. And as we wrap up this week's episode of Fish Bites, I'm going to share my brief interview I had with Marlins catcher prospect Nick Fortes prior to the first game against the Rays on Friday. Fortes, the Marlins' fourth-round pick in 2018, made his MLB debut on September 18th after being called up alongside fellow catcher Peyton Henry. He's gotten off to a hot start at the plate, hitting 421, 8 for 19, with three home runs, five RBI, three walks, and four runs scored through his first eight games. Without further ado, here's Nick Fortes. Is it sunk in yet? Yeah, it's starting to sink in. This is a little different because this is my first road game, so mm-hmm. kind of going on the road and experiencing that, is, it's been a little bit of a change. So it's kind of like it's kind of like the newness is back again a little bit, just getting away from Marlins Park. Yeah, and just seeing your success, especially at the plate, three home runs, just how have how are you feeling at the plate and just what do you attribute your confidence to and just what you're able to do in the minors and seeing it replicate up here early? Um, no, nothing about me really changes. At least I try not to. I try to go up there and keep the same mindset, the same approach. And, you know, I think I'm just, you know, a little bit more disciplined and a little more locked in here because it is the biggest stage possible. So when I step up there, it's like, you know, I know exactly what I'm looking for. I know what I'm trying to do, and I'm just super, super locked in right now. Uh, growing up, any players that you tried to emulate when you were moving up, both hitting and then behind the plate as well? 
Yeah, catching-wise, uh, I've always looked up to Yadier Molina. I thought he was uh, always the best growing up. I would always watch him. Um, and then hitting, I, I also really liked watching Albert Pujols as well. So kind of the, those two cardinal mm-hmm. greats, uh, I like I liked watching them a lot. Yeah, Yadier had one more year, so fingers crossed, chance to cross paths. Hopefully, yeah. yeah, I would love to. He was uh, he was definitely one of my idols behind the plate going on. Yeah. Um, when did baseball start for you? Um, pretty early. It was uh, the first and only sport I've ever played. So I think I started playing when I was around seven and just never looked back. Just was always a catcher, too. So it's pretty much all I've ever really known. Yeah. And grew up in the land. You're a race fan. You're a Muggins fan. How were you when you were growing up? Uh, uh, so born in Miami okay. and grew up in Deland, so I kind of had, you know, both. Mm-hmm. Like, I grew up uh, a South Florida team fan and, and a Rays baseball fan as well. I kind of just like to keep it in Florida, so both Marlins and the Rays, I, both of them, I liked, I was fans of both. Uh, what area of Miami before you moved up? Uh, so I was born in Miami Beach, and um, I got a lot of family that still lives down there. My dad grew up in Hialeah. My mom grew up in Fort Lauderdale, so got a lot of family that's still down there, which is awesome. And Double uh, A, you had a chance to catch a lot of the up-and-coming prospects, prospects with Max Meyer, Jake Either. Just your impressions of that group, in addition to the talent that's already up here. Yeah, they're you know they've got just as much talent as anybody. They they've got the stuff. Um, now it's just all about experience and learning how to pitch because you know. You can't get away with just stuff here at this level because everybody's got stuff. You got to learn how to use it properly. So once they figure that out, I mean, they'll fit right in. And what's been your adjustment up here with some of the guys you maybe not have had as much experience with? How's that come along for you? I know it's early. Yeah, it's pretty early. Um, a lot of these guys, especially in the bullpen. Um, it's been a while since I've seen them. Last time was in spring training, and even that was very limited to just bullpens. So still trying to just get a feel for what they like to do, how their pitches move, um, how they like to utilize them. So it's it's definitely a learning process. And a lot of these guys are older, so they, they've been around a while. They know what they like to do, so it's kind of just really catering to what they what they're good at which is a learning curve i don't think we asked you how did they tell you you were getting called up um me and peyton got here expecting to be on the taxi squad and you know we walked into don's office he looks at us says peyton you got today fortez you got tomorrow so it was kind of just a, a little unexpected here you go but it was awesome and it was the coolest thing and such a cool story that i'll get to tell for the rest of my life which is awesome that's everything. Right Thanks, Nick. Appreciate it. And on that note, that's going to wrap us up for this week's episode of Fish Bites. Uh, like Andre said, next time we're on here, we're going to be recapping the season, what went right, what went wrong. It's going to be a lot of what went wrong to talk about on that episode and to look ahead to things that we'll be focusing on, paying attention to in the offseason. Uh, the Marlins are going to be having a hitters camp with a lot of their prospects at the ballpark after the season ends. So we'll be able to preview that a little bit as well. But until then, enjoy the final week of the regular season, everyone. Uh, I'm Jordan McPherson. He's Andre Fernandez. Thanks so much, everyone. <laughs>